Hello and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm Brooke Jackson, one of your hosts today, along with the brilliant Margaret Kiljoy and the iridescent Cassandra. This is our October 2022 installment of your most favorite Live Like the World is Dying sub-segment, This Month in the Apocalypse. Today, we're going to talk about the latest shortages, the looming crisis in energy, fuel sources, and what can be done about the crisis, war, climate disasters, and probably some shit about the economy. But first, we'd like to celebrate being a member of the Channel Zero network of Anarchist Podcasts by playing a little jingle from one of the other luminous podcasts on our network. Do 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 do. Kiteline is a weekly 30-minute radio program focusing on issues in the prison system. You'll hear news along with stories from prisoners and former prisoners as well as their loved ones. You'll learn what prison is, how it functions, and how it impacts all of us. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand-to-hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. You can hear us on the Channel Zero Network and find out more at kitelineradio.noblogs.org. And we're back. Uh, Quick introductions for those of you who might not remember each of us or might be listening for the first time. I'm Brooke, an indigenous baby anarchist woman who loves spreadsheets, home remodeling, and connecting with the land. Uh, And I'm going to toss to Margaret. Um, I'm Margaret, and I am someone who writes a lot and is on podcasts a lot and does useful stuff too. But those are some of the things I do. And I will pass it to Cassandra. I wasn't prepared for an introduction. Neither was I. (laughs) My name is Cassandra. I garden and weave. (laughs) Check. Yay. And do amazing art. Yeah. I make books. And drink tea. Okay. It's good tea. Yeah. Back to you, Speaking of books, I feel like there's a book that you've been working on lately. I know we're supposed to plug things at the end, but it just sounds great to mention it now. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to remember to plug things. Uh, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is putting out our, well, it's not really technically our first book, is it, Margaret? No, but it's our first book as a new collective. Okay. We're putting out our first book as a new collective and also first book in a long time called Try Anarchism for Life, the Beauty of Our Circle by Cindy Baruch Milstein. And I think I sent it to the printer yesterday. So fingers crossed. If people want to pre-order that, Cassandra, where can they do that? On the stranger site. And if you pre-order it, you'll get some cute little book plates, which I didn't realize other people didn't know what book plates are, but they're like the little uh, stamps or stickers you can put at the beginning of books and it says ex libris which means from the library of and you can write your name so everyone knows it's your book nice so check out our website for that awesome book which uh, is is beautifully designed and um, actually a really a really good read I really enjoyed it um, all right in our very first episode of uh, this month in the apocalypse one of the things we talked about was things that were in shortage and surprise, surprise, we are continuing to have supply chain shortages. Um, the thing that made me uh, recall this and want to bring it up again is that I saw an NPR article uh, in the last week about the fact that Adderall is uh, facing a shortage, which is um, interesting. And uh, I did a little more digging on what's going on there. And part of it is that they had labor shortages 
So they fell behind in their production. And then the part that was uh, super interesting to me that I've never thought about, Adderall is a highly controlled substance. Uh, that's probably a well-known fact. Part of the fa- part of the, the highly controlled portion of it is that manufacturers are regulated in how much of it they can produce. So if they fall behind their schedule, it's not as easy as just like, oh, we're going to you know do a double shift and make extra this month. Oh, they would have shit. to get like... Uh-huh special dispensation to be able to make more so they can make the amount that they're um, allowed to, but not more than that without special permission. Hmm. So they can't yeah. catch up. They can, if like they apply for FDA approval and get, you know, temporary approval or whatever to make extra, assuming they can get the ingredients they need and workers to actually make the extra. But yeah, it's not as easy as just like, Oh, we need to make extra. There's a whole bunch of extra stuff going on that they have to do to do that. Yay, bureaucracy. Yeah, totally. So, um, ration your Adderall? That's probably probably not how that works. No. Um, There are other medical supplies that are still uh, in shortage, too. Um, This I also found interesting because we haven't seen it in the headlines as much, or at least I haven't, right? Like, it hasn't been in the news, but... There have been things that have continued to be in short supply throughout the whole pandemic. One of the items is gloves. Um, There's lots of different kinds of gloves that medical providers use. You know, you've got vinyl gloves and nitrile gloves and powdered and non-powdered and the thicker and thinner and all of that kind of stuff. And so there's like several different types of specific gloves that are in short supply. That, when uh, you said gloves, I was picturing like knitted gloves. Uh, <laughs> was, like, why? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no, like medical gloves. <laughs> no, that makes much more sense. <laughs> Just get your grandmas to start knitting and it'll be okay. Yep. Also, testing supplies uh, are in short supply for medical providers. And specifically, it was like um, the equipment used to collect samples, store samples, transport samples for medical tests that portion of it and then i guess ventilator parts are uh still in short supply as well i guess that makes sense since everyone wants that yeah um so that's the medical side of things and then other things out in the real world uh this is one i hadn't heard about but uh tampons i guess have been in short supply so it's a good time to learn menstrual extraction if you uh know somebody that can uh, teach you that or if you want to learn Um, or looking for other options. If you haven't previously been open to trying things like menstrual cups, might be a time to do that. Um, Margaret, this is a fun throwback to our first one. There was this thing that was in short supply that you mentioned and that each of us have two of on our respective homes. Um. Window. I'm trying to come up with something clever. I know the actual answer, but I'm garage failing doors. to come up with something funny. Yeah, it's garage doors. Yes, I knew it's it. Garage doors. <laughs> um, to the point where, like, if you're a contractor and you're going to build a house, they're recommending that before you start with anything related to the building of your house, that the very first thing you do is order the garage doors because it'll take basically the whole time for them to get there. Like the last thing that will arrive and you will install in the house is the garage door because of how long they're taking. Okay. I feel like every time, like it's a running joke and you all always bring up garage doors and every time I'm like, but why is there a shortage? And then every time I forget, so I'm going to ask again, <laughs> why? I think we talked about why last time. 
Okay. I don't think we have a why. I think that there's just a lot of shit that is like, my guess is because it's so specialized that they make a certain amount. And then I don't know, but it might be something more about new homes being, I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. Part of it's oh, okay. lumber because remember lumber was in short supply, like lumber mills shut down early in the pandemic. And so there was like a lot of lumber that was not being produced. Hmm. And then when they started up again, because the price of lumber has gone up, the price of garage doors are like two or three times higher, depending on where you live, than they were pre-pandemic. And part of that's because the lumber is so much more expensive. Okay, but hear me out. It'd be prettier anyway, to, instead of having the kind that rolls up above, to just have like big old barn doors <clears throat> that swing open and you just make them out of two by fours and it'll totally work. And I'm sure there's no specific reason that people have developed a much more specialized solution. Yeah, definitely not. And they can just be like a rope from the door to your fence. So when you drive up to your fence, you can just grab the rope and pull it. Yeah, yeah, open, totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. Open the garage door. Yeah, or some sort of like system where you like knock something over as you're driving up towards your house. <laughs> it like knocks over the ball that rolls down the hill and it hits the thing and then it does the thing. And then the garage door swings open and then hits something that it shouldn't have and then starts another chain reaction and then the whole neighborhood's on fire. Yeah, totally secure <laughs> as well. I, I was with you till the end. <laughs> So a real nice Rube Goldberg type of garage door opening. Yeah, I think that is the solution for most of these things that we're missing. Like, for example, lack of gloves. Uh, have doctors considered using knit gloves? <laughs> <laughs> really great point, Margaret. Really great point. Moving on. Uh, computer chips continue to be in short supply. That was an issue like this time last year. It got Wait, a little what? better. Sorry. Computer chips. Computer ship. I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) the ones that go into like everything, like not just computers, but like they go into cars. Now they go into your television. They go, you know, the, the, my contribution today is going to be to mishear everything. (laughs) That's all right. It'll be way more fun that way. Okay. Okay. So tortilla chips, also (laughs) chips, induct electricity, probably if you put enough electricity Uh, into them. I don't know if they have any conductive materials in them, Margaret. Maybe we need to add some metal to our tortilla chips. Yeah. And then they it's can good replace. for everyone. And just mark it for anyone who has braces that they should avoid them. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Renewable too. Cause corn. Mm-hmm. That's not something I'm going to talk about later about. Uh huh. Anyway. <laughs> um, sadly, baby formula continues to be in shortage. Again, that's not making the headlines like it was when it first started, but that is still, a major issue. So check on your people, do what you can to help out there. Fortunately, that's ongoing and doesn't still doesn't have a, a solution in sight right now. They've been they've like they ramped up production on it and stuff, but it's just still not enough. And then the raw ingredients that go in to make it too, of course, have continued to have problems. Here's a really sad one for you, Margaret. It's it's one of your favorite things, and of it, um, uh, the concept Swords? of this item tends to be a sponsor of one of those other podcasts. Guns. Oh no, smiling children! <laughs> no, there's plenty of them. You only really need one. Okay, so that's that's okay. Don't tell me that there's no potatoes. Potatoes are in short supply. <gasps> this has gone historically badly for my people. <laughs> Yeah, there was like a whole famine or something, except there wasn't. Ah, Something. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, Potatoes. Potatoes in short supply. 
That's Wait, but it's, it's like harvest potato season right now. Are they just already anticipating that there won't be enough potatoes? Yeah, that's part of it. Um, again, we've talked about in previous episodes how like there have been really weird climate shit happening, especially like in the U.S. that's um, affected the the growth and production of things. Like here where we live, our spring was way long and cold and wet, um, and it really fucked up the growing cycles of things. So um, loss. Yeah, my potatoes that. didn't do great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there were um, losses due to that early in the season of like potato plants, and then they're not anticipating, you know, what they are getting out of the ground to be, excuse me, as plentiful as it might mm. otherwise be or normally be. Yeah, that's sad. Um, less sad. Christmas trees are probably going to be in short supply again this year. They're not sure, but they were uh, last year, and the conditions that caused it are looking to be much the same. So. Um, yeah, living things that get uh, chopped down in order to decorate your house for a month. Fewer of those. Sorry. <laughs> Alternatives include decorating a living tree or moving into a house that some old weird person left a fake Christmas tree in the attic um, or using last year's tree. I'm a big fan of rosemary trees and then you just plant it. You could oh, also paint really cool. a tree on your wall somewhere and then just... Ooh set out presents you can make it out of cardboard with your children or you can realize it's pagan idolatry and realize that a true christian would never celebrate christmas or you can convert and do hanukkah because they overlap this year yes i love it when they overlap menorahs are pretty there's so many options yeah okay cool um and then our last supply chain thing which will be a nice toss is that uh energy and fuel are uh in short supply and expected to be in even shorter supply, which means I can toss this to Margaret to talk more about that issue. Yay. Everything's doomed. I mean, everything's going to be fine. Somewhere (laughs) in between these two extremes is the truth. Okay. So Europe is having a power crisis Um, and not the old fashioned kind where people decide they don't want Kings anymore, but a kind about natural gas mostly. And is, is the worst energy crisis since world war two. Um, and there's a lot of causes of it. The most immediate cause that is absolutely the most immediate cause. And is it's not the straw that broke the camel back. It's like the two by four that broke the camel back camel's <laughs> back is the, um, is that Russia has responded. Okay. So no, I'm going to start at the beginning instead. Okay. So for 20 years no, or so start in the middle. So for 20 years or so, Europe has been trying to use fossil fuels. If I was really starting at the beginning, it would be like the economic project that is Europe was caused by stripping all of the natural <laughs> resources out of the developing world. But uh, for the past 20 so years, Europe has been like, we want to be the seen as the people who are really good. And so we're going to use fewer fossil fuels. And so for about 20 years, they've been trying to work on that. Um, however, this has basically increased their dependence on other places like Russia, primarily Russia in this case, where natural gas imports, cheap natural gas imports from Russia have been absolutely a mainstay. Uh, however, this has been a crisis for the past two winters too, even before the Ukrainian war, basically, um, because if you're going to have renewables as the way that you're trying to uh, make a sustainable world, it has to be coupled with degrowth instead of just like continuing to have a growing thing. Because like actually renewables create less power overall at the moment, right? Um, so increased dependence on Russia. And then Russia has not officially cut off natural gas ex- uh, exports to Europe. What they did instead is they stopped 89% of their natural gas exports. And they did it by saying, oh, we have a leak and we can't fix it because of the sanctions. So I guess you'll have to stop the economic sanctions against us 
or you don't get any natural gas. And so they're blackmailing the West and I don't know, whatever. I mean, I don't expect better of them. They're in the middle of fucking invading and genociding Ukraine. So whatever. Uh, But this is a problem. And also increasing drought that's been hitting Europe really badly. It fucks up a bunch of other things too. It fucks up their hydroelectric. And then it even fucks up their coal because coal is transported by river um, and they can't if the rivers are too low. And so the right wing wants to blame a lot of this on Germany's shutdown of like the completely safe nuclear power plants or whatever. But I think that that's worth contrasting with France is actually at half nuclear power right now because corrosion, lagging repairs, and general lack of safety have caused the nuclear power plants about to have to operate at about half capacity. So nuclear actually sometimes complicated. And the heat wave has also meant that they can't use river water to cool the plants because there's the, the nuclear power plants and the other, I think other power plants too, because they use river water to cool it. But I think it's a combination of the river water being much hotter than it usually is and then also much less of it. The, the one weird thing that people are like hoping will like pull it through at the last minute is there's now this new micronuclear reactor that's supposed to be safe because it uses molten salt instead of fuel rods and it fits onto a tractor trailer and it powers a thousand homes and it is not yet being produced commercially, but it's like a thing that people say that they have developed. So the UK has seen energy prices, the energy price increase has doubled since last year's increase. So it's not like energy prices aren't double, but they've grown at double the rate. Protests are breaking out. People are starting to burn their utility bills. And what's kind of cool is that you sort of expect this kind of protest to kind of go in a right-wingish direction about like, you know, fuck you, let's go frack or whatever. Um, But actually, it's at least what I've seen is that the protests are mostly coming out of a a left-wing and an apolitical position. And a lot of it is like pushing to nationalize gas and basically say like, this is fucked up. This is affecting the poor people more than anyone else. Um, Gas being in this case used for heating, but also is used for power generation. And then a lot of industrial manufacturing. Uh, And this is not just a, a matter of rising costs. It's literally a potential in the next couple weeks, there might be uh, blackouts and power rationing. Um, Various places are limiting power use, like businesses are being encouraged to turn off their air conditioners and all this kind of stuff. And of course, uh, everything happens in a vacuum with this kind of thing. So there's no way, wait, no, Uh, no, this will cause stagnation economically and could easily trigger a recession. (laughs) Um, And the other thing that it does is it creates this awful fucking feedback loop. We talked about last time where like the feedback loop of like all this flooding, destroying um, Pakistan, causing them to get out IMF loans, which cause more austerity, which cause more, you know, climate change or whatever. You have a very similar feedback cycle in that um, it's the, because of the stuff that's happening more fossil fuel production is happening. Coal plants are coming back online. Fracking is no longer banned in the UK. Um, and of course, the the pipeline attack that didn't help any of this—that was probably Russia, but Russia blames it on the U.S.—is um, was the largest methane release in documented history. Uh, so even though the pipes weren't even in active use, the fact that they were ruptured um, caused the largest methane release in documented history. And of course, it was the heat wave this summer that spiked power usage. Um, and so climate change causes people to get more desperate for power. So we enter a vicious cycle, which will definitely not have any effects anywhere but Europe. And we can probably be done with that issue unless someone else has something to say about it affecting elsewhere. Yeah, I was reading about how um, 
the domino effect is impacting the U.S. It, it sort of seems self-evident, but I'll talk about it anyway. Um, so it, it looks like 40% of the U.S. of our electricity is generated by natural gas, which I didn't realize. Um, so, you know, in the U.S., we either heat our homes with natural gas or electric, but natural gas prices impact electricity prices. Maybe someone else can explain that to me because I don't quite get it. Um, but the moral of the story is that when natural gas prices go up, all of the other prices go up as well. Yeah, they're expecting anything from a 17% increase to a third increase. I don't understand. Yeah, thank you. 33%. So that sucks. It's not as bad as Europe. Like I'm, I'm looking at, I was looking at Germany and the UK and it sounds like their prices are way, 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 way higher, but it's still not going to be great here. So I was hoping we could talk about things that people can do, like ways they can keep their home warm and insulated and stuff like that. Brooke and I are both in the Pacific Northwest, which is known for its mild winters, <laughs> but we also get lots of rain and damp. And then Margaret is in on the East Coast and has much harsher winters. So maybe between the three of us, we can come up with some good ideas. Let me start with what I tell my kid, which is yeah. put on some socks and a goddamn sweater. <laughs> and a hat. Feet, feet and head. And then head. what I tell your kid, which is if you if you make a, if you build a fire, if you build a man a fire, he's warm for a day. <laughs> but if you set a man on fire, it's warm for the rest of his life. Um, well, we, we do like to set men on fire in this house. So that's, that's perfectly acceptable here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, if any men um, come in, you may be renewable set on fire resource for our um, <laughs> Because, I mean, we know that lumber and wood prices have gone up and you got to use something in your fireplace. And I hear that um, they're made out of wood. That's why we throw them in the lake to find out. Because <laughs> men are witches. Wait, hold on. Okay, so sweaters and hats. Okay. Okay. Uh, some things I learned. So clothes dryers can be up to 20% of a home's energy bill. I had mm. no idea. Um and in my head, a dry, like drying racks aren't a good idea where we live because it's so damp here, but maybe that's not the case. So I'm going to try that this winter. Um, checking, I've always rented. So the the idea of like checking the filters and shit mm, mm-hmm. on my whatever way your home is heated has never occurred to me, but apparently that's super important. Right, Brooke? Absolutely. Cool. Actually, I don't. I would be totally honest. I don't know if that has anything to do with the, um, I guess it probably helps the efficiency of efficiency. your device. Yeah. I do it every six months because I know it helps the air quality in my wow. house. And that's important. I don't even know how to do that. So well, you've got, should come over. <laughs> yes, there's both filters I, yes. and the HVAC. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Tell me more. I don't understand. As, as far as I understand, uh, there's both the filters that are like the big screen filters that people like run out and strapped to their fans to do air filter cleaning right and mm-hmm. then there's like at least in, in my house is an oil heater and in an oil heater there's a filter an oil filter and so mm-hmm. my presumption is that it just takes more power to push things through a clogged up filter both air filter and oil filter that's my guess um the main thing i learned the hard way by moving somewhere with harsh winters and an oil furnace is that if you let your furnace run dry 
um, it uh, breaks. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so you actually have to keep it full, um, which is cool because my gauge is broken. Uh, so I just need to every now and then like call and be like, hey, can you fill it up? And they're like, how much do you need? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, can yeah. you fill it up? Um, I did learn that heating oil and diesel are functionally the same thing, although you're not allowed to put heating oil in your car because the they like stain it red so that you can get caught if you do that. Weird. Yeah. And I, there are some to please don't run out and put diesel in your home oil filter because you mm. heard some girl lives in the mountains tell you to, I haven't fucking done this. Um, <laughs> and, but some people I think sometimes like top off, like in a hurry, they'll do that if they keep diesel around for like their tractor or whatever the fuck. I mean, it's probably better than maybe I'm guessing totally guessing that it might be better than letting it run dry because that can be an expensive fuck up for sure. Yeah. If you do that, you have to change at very least the oil filter. And then if not the, also the fucking spark plugs and all this shit and the parts are cheap. The capacity to do it without exploding things is harder. This is sort of beside the point that only applies to oil. Uh, Let's talk about other ways to heat homes. So, Yeah, other ways to heat homes or more like how to keep heat in. I was researching this anyway because my house (laughs) has lots of windows, like huge, like walls of windows, which is beautiful, but they're all single pane and none of them seal. (laughs) Um, Like literally there's no, I don't even, I still haven't figured out what this type of window is called, but it's like slats of horizontal slats of glass sort of layered on top of each other and you can crank it. So they tilt open or crank it so they tilt shut, but there's nothing actually like air just, you know, comes in. So <laughs> using that fun, classy plastic stuff that's temporary to cover your windows, that's one of my plans this year. The few windows that don't have that tilty glass, that's an official mm-hmm. term, I'm going around the edges and caulking them. I checked all my door seals. I learned that they're like energy efficient electric blankets. Oh, that's and I'm cool. anticipating that if I set my set my thermostat a lot lower and like use those while I'm working during the day or even at night, maybe that will be helpful. Heavy there curtains also, can help too yeah, with the windows. Curtains. That can be a real trade off if you have any like seasonal affective disorder or light issues, but like they can do a lot to keep the cold back if you have a heavy curtain that you hang over the window and then yeah those are super effective you can play the fun game of opening them when the sun's out and then closing them when the sun's Mm -hmm. gone Mm -hmm. though here when the sun's out it's colder oh okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) that's why we're all sad all winter (laughs) yeah um let's see did i find anything else exciting people are Uh, on social media right now sharing all of these like wild ideas about how to heat your house and I I haven't tried these I'm not going to vouch for them but some of them are really interesting so one is like when you're baking you put very already dry that's important Mm -hmm. bricks in the bottom of your oven because they hold in heat so when you're done baking you can open your oven and turn your oven off and the bricks will heat your house apparently people are making those little like tea light and flower pot heaters can i talk shit on those really quick yeah please do they're bullshit they're absolute bullshit um i kind of figured also like open flames (laughs) yeah no and like actually a lot of them the the actual clay pot 
can get hot enough to catch the candle wax on fire. And so there's mm. been like a bunch of houses. Pe- people have like burned down their houses trying to use these fucking things. Um, and it would take like, I think it, I looked this up the other day. It would take like hundreds of these to heat a small room. The time in which that this is a reasonably efficient thing to do is in an emergency or survival situation. Right. If you make, if you're in a fucking tent, if you're, and if you're in your house, you can do this. You can throw a blanket. If you're trying to heat up the space hidden under a blanket, a candle can be a meaningful part of that. But if you're trying to heat up even a small room, they're not a meaningful part of it in, in terms of the trade-off. But the stuff about thermal mass, like these bricks, um, sorry, is it okay to just tangent onto that? No, please do. These are my like things that people are talking about that kind of sketch me out. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, and that I, I, I haven't specifically researched putting the bricks in the oven. What I would probably do, I mean, you want thermal mass, thermal mass doesn't heat things. It, uh, it's like a battery, it's a heat battery. Right. And so like, for example, what a lot of people do is if you put like, um, thermal mass is often like clay or something like that. Some people even uh, historically use like stored jugs of water and stuff Hmm. where the sun comes in and heats it up or wherever your passive heating comes from, then it um, radiates out that heat once the heat source is gone. And so you can keep your house cooler at night by having a lot of thermal mass. This is one reason why cob houses have some advantages in a lot of climates and adobe and all that stuff, right? And concrete even can actually act as, as thermal mass, although I, I don't know as much about the efficiency of that. Brick houses have an advantage for this. But yeah, like a lot of the hacks around like, oh, light a candle are like just yeah. a really good way to burn your house down. Well, it's not even just a candle. People are like build, like constructing these, like you take a flower pot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, and that doesn't actually amplify it because there's idea where you you take the candle and you put the flower pot on top of it and the terracotta of the flower pot is uh amplifies the heat it doesn't amplify shit you can't amplify heat that's like one of the laws of thermodynamics but you can store the heat and you can centralize the heat so it doesn't get lost as much right so in some weird ways is maybe like a hand warmer it would like be maybe a little bit more effective right (laughs) because it's yeah and gloves (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally and so it it the, the flower pot itself does get so hot. And especially if you put enough candles under it to make it useful. Um, and you can see there's a bunch of like research that people have done where they're like, Oh, the flower pot gets up to 170 degrees with one candle or like 400 something degrees with four candles or uh, something roughly like that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, Wow, but it doesn't make enough heat to fill a space. Mm-hmm. It instead is actually specifically preventing that heat from going out into the space, huh. which is a, just why it gets so hot. <laughs> yeah, totally. And again, like, I mean, I don't know. And there's some advantages to it, but overall. Uh, however, I think the alcohol lamps that people make, the like DIY, there's like like the heater block in, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's Philly. I can't remember. They Portland like make, okay. You can make alcohol lamps as little portable heaters. And, and when you're talking about like a tent or something and a survival situation, they are fairly effective. I actually don't know enough about the BTUs that they put out to, um, to, in terms of heating other spaces that that's beyond what I know. Mm-hmm. That's well, my rant about candles. Sorry. No, but I appreciate the rant because <laughs> my contribution was going to be like, people are talking about sketchy shit that I don't know about. <laughs> um, so confirming that it's sketchy shit is great. Yeah. I don't know. Do y'all know any other fun ways i i'm trying to think about like my grandparents live in a really old house and they have a wood stove which heats one room mm-hmm. and the house is very long and thin so so it heats one room on one end of the house and their bedrooms on the other end so all of the weird shit i've seen them do over the years to stay warm like the window plastic or those like 
long sock things that you put at the bottom of doors. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. My house, I mean, I clearly bought my house with like prepper in mind, but sure. my house has um, the two different wood burning stoves or one's a pellet stove, uh, which are more like human energy efficient, but they require electricity. So a little bit more complicated. It's like a wood burning stove, but it's little pellets of fuel that you can buy super cheap, but you have to buy them. You can make them yourself, but it's super labor intensive and complicated. I looked into it for a while. And then I have a regular wood burning stove in the basement and the ba- the wood burning stove is actually hooked into the HVAC like vent system of nice. the house. And so that is something you can do is you can put a wood burning stove and hook it up to your, this is not a simple retrofit. Insulation in general, just fucking add insulation to your house however you can, um, which sometimes means like, you know, tearing open the walls and putting in more insulation or putting more insulation in your attic if you have an attic or... Covering your fireplace when you're not using it, that's when I'm learning. Oh, really? Oh, that makes sense because it just goes up out into the... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even when it's closed, it can still suck heat out. Not using fans for too long, which sucks... I'm thinking about like bathrooms, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like... like above your kitchen stove. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've done for the last several years to conserve energy use is to consolidate where in the house I am located and or Mm -hmm. with my person or people are located to a single room or a portion of the house and then closing up the rest of it and closing the vents that go there and all of that and just focusing the heat on wherever I am or I am with my kid or whatever it is. Oh, closing the vents you're not using is a good idea. Yeah. So like when she's off at school and I'm working, I close the door to my office, close most of the rest of the house. Uh, and then when it's like the two of us will hang out in just her room with the vent open mm-hmm. or just our two bedrooms that are next to each other with the mm-hmm. vents open. And it's, it's another advantage of people who choose to live communally is that, I mean, more people in a house is just going to warm things up a lot. Like putting a bunch of people into a room with clo- that's like closed off and insulated is a real good way to stay warm. So like, I don't know, use this as an opportunity to get close to someone. I mean, very consensually and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say cuddling. Cuddling is, is a good way as yeah. well. Buy yeah. heat, baby. Get a dog. Or fucking. Okay, take the part about the dog. Okay. They're also, both in Europe and I know state by state in the U.S., there are also energy and utility assistance programs and grants that have always been available, but it seems like more are starting to become available. So if you live somewhere colder than me, it's a good thing mm-hmm. to look into. Well, and then also in Oregon, in t- starting in 2024, Medicaid is going to cover expenses related to climate change in terms of like generators and air filters and shit like that. That's amazing. Um, I, I, heard about it. I just read about it while I was making, getting ready for this episode. If you think you may qualify for one of the uh, energy assistance programs, that's something to look into sooner rather than later. Like now, instead of before the colds get real high or the bills get real high. I know that one of the programs here in our town, for instance, only has a few days a month in which they accept applications and yeah. will even close that, you know, for the next month, if they got too many in the previous month, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, and yeah, the, the only other thing I wanted to bring up with all of this is that, you know, we've 
talked in past episodes about how expensive food is getting and how expensive everything's getting. And with rising energy costs, that's just going to contribute to inflation more because if businesses are having to pay more money to stay open, you know. Yeah. But but Biden just passed the Inflation Reduction Act, so everything's going to be fine now. Right. He did it. Okay. He solved it. Yay. Thanks, O Biden. <laughs> o Biden? Is that what you Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haven't you heard that joke? Usually no. it's because you want to complain about something. The gas prices are high. Like, thanks, O Biden. Because people always said, thanks, Obama. When it's sarcastic. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, Biden's just Obama's puppet. Jokes to me. I mean, haven't you heard that he's old and senile, and it's actually just secretly Obama still running the country through Biden? He's totally not old and senile. I mean, according to Tulsi this morning, it's it's actually the elite cabal. So, Mm. (sighs) there's a whole other conversation I want to have with you about why everyone (laughs) is so anti-fucking-Semitic, but that's like not on our topic list. Oh gosh, the French Revolution. If we want to do a segue, we really want to talk about it. (laughs) Now we're going to segue to talk about the French Revolution. (laughs) Welcome to Mediocre People Who Made Lateral Moves, (laughs) a new podcast about all the revolutions that have happened. (laughs) And how people blamed it all on the Jews. (laughs) Yeah. The only revolutions accepted are the Haitian Revolution, Mexican Revolution. Yeah, anyway. Um, This is the thing I don't understand. Like, why why has anti-Semitism been such a global thing for fucking ever? Like, I can't think of another group of people the, that have had it quite hatred for a reason. Like the Jews. I mean, everyone has it different. I think anti-blackness is also real fucking old and anti-indigenous. As soon as we find, as soon as we find y'all. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. There are these interesting accounts though of, of- uh, we should not go on this tangent. All right. <laughs> no, but it's long. interesting. I could talk for and too it's, long. It's topical. <laughs> Anti-Semitism is always topical. Exactly. <laughs> oh, what were some of our other fun topics? Okay, let's talk about hurricanes. Can I talk yes. about hurricanes? Woo! Hooray. <laughs> oh, wait. First, I want to talk about corn really quickly. It's like a short note. Okay, so by 2053, the Corn Belt won't be able to grow corn. <gasps> what? Wow. Um, because there will be days 125 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. And, of course, corn is already having trouble now. It's not like a switch that will be flipped in 30 years. And also, uh, my cynical ass has been proven right every time someone's like, all of the X will happen by 2080. I'm like, that's going to be way sooner. And then, like, 2020 <laughs> comes around. They're like, yeah, never mind. It's sooner. <laughs> and then, so some of the solutions that people are trying to come up with around this, um, some of them are, like, make a lot of sense about, like, being a little less monocroppy and, like, and people are like getting really into perennial grains, but mm-hmm. of course they're doing it in like weird capitalist ways. And so there's like weird named ways to be less monocrappy. And there's also this perennial grain that's like trademarked called Kernza, which is a plant name, a little reserve symbol after its name. So that's how you know it's good. And basically a lot of the existing perennial grains are actually more like haze and things that are um, for foraging. And so intermediate wheat grass is Kernza. It's a type of intermediate wheat grass, which is not actually wheat, but is a has similar grains. However, they're currently trying to hybridize it with wheat and it's hard to bake with because it's not as gluteny. Unfortunately, it still has some gluten, so it's not the solution for that problem either. But people are trying to do some weird shit. Then I could talk about hurricanes, unless y'all want to talk about corn. Most grass seed is edible. That's my contribution. Also tubers. 
So and not plant yourself some daylilies, dahlias. Turn it. They're pretty, and then you can eat them. We should bring back neeps as a instead of mashed potatoes, mash mash neeps. Hmm. You, you're all just making up things. <laughs> Okay. We're listening now, Margaret. Sorry. Cassandra, no, Cassandra's always making up plants that don't exist. <laughs> There's only three plants, corn, potato, and grapes. I thought it was uh, wheat. <laughs> oh, yeah, and wheat. I know you've seen wheat. apples. And also, I've, I've <laughs> given you kale, so. That's just fancy. It's just different for... Okay, to be fair, <laughs> broccoli, kale... Can, can you all help me list off all of these things that are the same Cauliflower. <laughs> yeah. Brussels like sprouts, sprouts, cabbage. cabbage. Mustard. Yeah. Everything is already secretly the the secret cabal that we should be blaming is the brassicas. Is plant families <laughs> are just brassicas. <laughs> They're everything. Everywhere you look, it's brassicas. Unless I, it's I, a nightshade. <laughs> I get what you're That's going true. for, and I'm I'm with you. Okay, so hurricanes. So there's two <laughs> things about hurricane survival, <laughs> and one is like this like promising thing, although it ties into some bougie shit. Is that like obviously um people who are listening to this a lot of people who are listening to this have dealt with hurricanes more immediately and recently than any of the three of us have um and so i don't mean to be lighthearted about like you know like whatever i, I want to say that like people are dealing with this shit i i i'm not trying to oh, it's a big fucking deal okay um one thing is that communities absolutely can be built to survive hurricanes and they it isn't done because people aren't rich enough and because doing so is incentivized and because people don't value this right? It's like a combination of these things. Have you all heard of this small town called Babcock Ranch that survived Hurricane Ian? Nope. Okay. There's this, it was built in 2015. People started moving into it in 2018. It's a 2000 home community. And it's, it's sort of like actually mixed class a little bit. The houses start at 200,000 and go up to a million dollars. And it's, and they're like working on building condos and stuff. And it is meant to survive hurricanes. This mm. is in fucking Florida and it got hit by Ian. And so it makes sense to build things that are meant to survive hurricanes. The streets are designed to absorb water. I think that they're designed to absorb water into like a basically almost a French drain system that runs underneath where there's like pipes or whatever. Um, I know that they are capable of making this like kind of concrete that water can just like flow right through. Mm-hmm. And I think Are-y-wall? that's what's happening. Are-y-wall yeah. Concrete. Yep. Yeah. Why is that not everywhere? Uh, More expensive. Because people don't value infrastructure in this country. And and then there's they use native landscaping everywhere to like limit flooding. They do all this stuff to like make sure that um, – because flooding kills more people in hurricanes than wind. And so they do all of this stuff with native landscaping to limit flooding. The power and all the communication lines are buried, which is another thing that should just be happening everywhere but isn't. Like where <laughs> I live, I lose power all the fucking time because like, oh, sorry, a tree fell on a power plant, power pole. Are you laughing like, at me, Brooke? <laughs> I'm picturing your backyard right now where you could like grote yourself with your power lines yeah, in your backyard. My, <laughs> my landlord is like, this yeah. is not a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And like – and where I live, like a tree falls on a, like, it's like once a month I lose power for a day because I'm in the fucking mountains with really shallow soil. And so the trees fall over every time there's a windstorm, but we're in the fucking mountains. So there's windstorms all the time. Um, anyway, so they bury their power in internet lines and the whole town has its own solar array that powers like all of it and 8,000 other nearby homes. And so 2.6 million people lost power during Hurricane Ian, but not Babcock Ranch. And this was its first like trial by fire. Wow. And to be and to be fair to them, they weren't total assholes about it. It wasn't a like I've got mine, fuck you. They turned their school into a shelter for all the nearby folks because it still had power, even though it like I think 
I think it couldn't be registered as an official storm shelter because it didn't have a generator, but it, it didn't need one. It didn't need one. Because it had its own wow. like, fucking microgrid. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so that's like what we could be doing, right? We could have a society that like prepares for these things, you know, and like there, there are ways to build things if people are able, if people are able to have the resources or like institutions are willing to give resources to make things that are appropriate to their area. You know, you can have fire resistant homes. You can have, I mean, everything just be concrete domes if I had my way as of the past six months, but then I'm sure I'll get over this particular infatuation with concrete domes, but they're like everything proof. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> except aesthetic proof. Okay. So actually, okay, whatever. The other thing. Also, concrete's not great for the environment and climate change. It's really bad actually. Yeah, but it has actually weirdly, I haven't looked in this in a while. There's the embedded greenhouses gases and in terms of how long it lasts are like um, compare favorably in a lot of ways. And also in terms of its insulating, well, it's, it's insulating properties because of thickness. The way it's constructed is the way it's made is not nice. You can, you can also disagree with me about this. No, that's fair. And there's um, been uh, recent research and work into putting cellulose into concrete mixtures that actually helps. I can't remember all the beneficial properties of it, but it's some really cool research that's out there about, about mixing. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Wood fibers. Plus brutalism is way cooler than any. Okay, whatever. Now everyone's going to hate me if I start talking about liking brutalism. All right. So <laughs> hurricanes. I have never survived a hurricane just to be really clear. <laughs> and so I'm not trying to tell everyone, you know, okay, but I, as my disclaimer, I, I, I've You've read also a bunch of research. survived a hurricane. That's true. Oh, I see what you are saying. <laughs> Every time I'm in a hurricane, I die. <laughs> um, I've been playing this. I want this video game I've been playing called like, okay. So God, what if I was the ultimate prepper would be groundhog day guy. That's what he really should have done. All right. <laughs> what? See that movie Hurricane Hurricane Day where the person has a no groundhog whatever. There's a movie where groundhog they have to do with hurricanes. Okay, but if you died and came back every single day, you could do so much research. Uh, the ultimate scientist. <laughs> no one can see me putting my head in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> they just heard the thunk of your skull on the uh on Sorry, the microphone there. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, what to do on. if you live in the path of a hurricane and you don't live in a little weird prepper neighborhood? Uh, first of all, if you live in a mobile home, I'm sure you already know that life sucks because classism is real and awful, but uh, mobile homes are in a really bad situation. And I'm sure you already know that. Hurricane timing is forecastable, but its course is less predictable. So you can start knowing that a hurricane is possible, but you won't necessarily know where exactly where it's going um, and exactly what kind of in power it will have by the time it lands. Flooding kills more people than wind. And basically the best that I've been able to read and, and find different people have researched this is that like overall evacuating, if the instructions say you should evacuate is probably the best move. And uh, voluntary evac happens before mandatory evac. Voluntary often comes earlier to basically give people to give a head start because when everyone tries to leave an area all at once, it fucking sucks. I'd love to at some point talk to someone who has done more work into evac and like talk about like what it means to transport oneself over roads during those kinds of crises. but. And to be clear, mandatory evacuation doesn't mean they come around at gunpoint to force you out. It means that no one will help you while you stay. At least that's the official version of it. If you're going to stay, or rather if you like think that you might be stuck, consider being able to survive two weeks without uh, outside help 
or without the grid. And the grid in this case means water and it means uh, probably the ability to heat food if you run on a, a municipal gas line or power, right? And that also means electricity. And so you want like, for example, 15 gallons of water per person in storage containers. You want two weeks of non-refrigerated food that doesn't re- require utility cooking gas because maybe you have a separate gas stove or, you know, or you're planning to eat cold cans of chili or whatever. You want a battery or hand crank radio. You want a good medical kit. If you're trained, you want a chainsaw. But one of the main ways that people kill themselves uh, in wake of disasters is using chainsaws incorrectly to try and like move down trees and stuff. One of the other main ways is um, like propane and propane accessories and people trying to use like shit that you shouldn't use inside inside. Don't run a fucking generator in your house or your garage. Make sure everyone has a flashlight. When you're prepping your house, you want to bring in everything in your yard, like furniture and tools. You want to get directions to local evacuation shelters, and you want to have them printed out and or like saved offline in Google's Maps. You want to prepare your house for internal flooding by moving shit up off the floor and like getting everything that you don't want to get wet available, uh, make sure it's able to stay dry. You want to know how to shut off your utility, gas, water, and electric in your house. You do want to fill up your bathtubs for extra water, but don't fucking rely on this. This isn't the like, haha, everyone's like, oh, it's cool. I got like, you know, this bathtub I can fill up with water. Usually you want to use bathtub water more for sanitation water. You want to turn your fridge and freezer to the coldest settings and make sure they're packed full of thermal mass. Like we were talking about mm. thermal mass is also a battery for cold as well as heat. So for example, um, your freezer works way less hard if it's full of frozen bottles of water. And so if you fill plastic water bottles like 90% full, and this is true generally speaking, right? Uh, a full fridge, a full freezer works way less hard. And uh, because, you know, it's not stuff that disappears every time you open the fucking door or whatever. In general, your fridge or freezer can last about two days without power if they're like real packed full thermal mass and set to the coldest. In terms of long-term preparation for your house, if you live somewhere and you're trying to retrofit shit, you kind of want to go through and make sure that there's hurricane ties attaching your roof to your house and do the same with your deck and shit, which are just basically these like metal straps that attach one piece of wood to another piece of wood. Um, if you look up hurricane ties, you'll see pictures of them and then you can go up to your attic or whatever and look to see if you have them. And you can, you can retroactively add this because what happens the way that wind destroys a house first, it like pulls off like shingles and siding and stuff that only sort of matter. Um, and then it starts breaking out windows with debris and doors flying open because of wind and, and stuff like that. But then eventually you get to the point where the, the fucking roof rips off your house is like one of the main things. And then once the roof rips off your house, then the walls have nothing supporting them. So then they fall over. Hmm. And so, you can do a lot of stuff with your doors also to help protect them, especially if you have like double doors. You can add bolts to the inactive door, the door that doesn't open, or the door that doesn't have the handle or whatever. And you add bolts that go up into the ceiling and through the floor. It's also stuff that makes your house harder to break into, which is like cool bonus, right? And garage doors, our old friend, garage doors. <laughs> <laughs> Why we're really talking about this. <laughs> I know. They, they can be stormproofed, but it means you buy a new one. And I have a feeling that they are expensive and hard to get right now. Like old articles are like, oh, they cost between one and $5,000 for a stormproof garage door. And I assume that that is um, not easily the case right now. Okay. And then in terms of covering your windows, uh, you want to cover all the windows in your house, not just the ones facing the water. And ideally, if you live there like long-term, you want to actually get storm shutters, but those can be expensive. Worst case scenario, you can screw plywood or metal roofing over the windows and glass doors. With plywood, you want to aim for about a half inch thick, at least five half inch to five eighths. And particle board, don't use particle board or MDF because it's probably not strong enough. 
I don't know. And there's just like other shit, right? Like you keep your car packed and facing outward with gas in it. However, also you might want to keep it in a garage and at least next to a solid building so that it doesn't fucking blow away or get destroyed by things. Fill up an extra gas can or two because fuck it. There's often going to be gas shortages after these sorts of things. Don't fucking drive through flood water. That is another way that people die all the fucking time. Like it's about a foot or something of, of flood that will move a car that'll like take a car away. It's way less than you think. Don't fucking drink flood water. Most of the ways that people water filter don't filter out like gasoline and all kinds of other shit. With a generator, don't fucking run it inside. During the storm, don't go outside during the eye of the storm. It'll come back suddenly. Stay away from your windows and glass doors and such. Don't take a shower or bath because of electrical risk. Kill the power at the main breaker if if flooding is coming. And that is what I learned not through direct experience because, again, I've died every time I've tried these. I've never been in a hurricane. (laughs) I've I've been on the coast during some storms, right? Some tropical storms and shit, but I've never um, personally been through a hurricane. We should add like hurricane preparedness guide to our list. Yeah, with the first aid guide, that'd be cool. We should yeah. talk to like mutually disaster relief folks or someone. Yeah, agreed. Cool, but this you, isn't a strangers meeting, so no. You welcome to our strangers survive. meeting. Hurricane is a hurricane, not hurricane. But that's the hurricane itself can destroy houses. It can't, it's it it can't it's a hurricane destroy houses, not a hurricane destroy houses. Got it. You see what I'm getting at? This is, this is a funny joke. Um so you hurricane survive. <laughs> yeah. Uh love it. What, when Margaret makes jokes to two <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Margaret makes great dad oh. jokes, and I love it. <laughs> no, yeah. I, so does my kid. <laughs> it's us, not you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I'm trying to make you laugh, so you all laughing works. Okay, so I don't know what other what other shit I got. I got like some like little short things. Does anyone else have a major topic we should talk about? Or should we go into short things? I say a few short things with our last five minutes. Okay, these are the ones I've got. Other people add them at the end. Monkeypox transmission is slowing. There's a small chance it's going to go endemic, but like overall monkeypox transmission is slowing and that's cool. You should still go get fucking vaccinated though. I should go get vaccinated. LA is installing water restrictors in houses of people who break their water limit, including like, including rich people, which is great. Like basically if anyone who uses more than 150% of their limit, like they're going around and just like literally being like, you get less water now. The Mississippi River is currently so low that grain and fertilizer mm. transports are halted. Uh, yeah. And that's contributing to supply chain shortages in all kinds of ways because they can't get stuff up yep. river. It also fucks up China. Uh, they apparently, a lot of them, uh, they get a lot of soybeans from the U.S. And mm-hmm. 40% of the U.S. soybean export to China comes through the Mississippi River. The, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers, don't worry, is dredging the river to deepen it. <laughs> Um, Great. So that they can still uh, ship things there. I'm the, sure uh, that no part of the Mississippi River is a super fun site or anything like that and highly toxic. No, it's fine. I'm sure it's good. I bet everyone who's working that job will um, be treated well. <laughs> and a British Columbia River has dried up. And I think a bunch of British Columbia rivers have dried up. They're facing like one of the worst fucking droughts ever, which has killed 65,000 salmon and Ooh. has cut spawning by 70%, at least in this area. Bird flu in California is killing a ton of birds. I mean, I saw this thing. I was like reading. I was like, oh, bird flu again. God damn it. And then I'm like, oh, it's just killing bird. Wait, no, birds are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need birds. <laughs> yeah. 
oil prices might go up again because OPEC countries are cutting oil production more. Thanks, O Biden. <laughs> Inflation is causing manufacturers to start using cheaper ingredients. That's like one of the main ways that like manufacturers are getting around this. And so like a lot of shit they're used to using in trust might now be um, made like shit. But I've read Margaret, about that with, like new homes they're building as well. Oh, great. Because that's what we yeah. need is uh, cheaper yeah. designed homes. Yeah, they're like, A, don't buy a home right now. But B, when you can buy a home in the future, maybe someday, don't buy homes built. In this right time, period. Fucking period. I hear that. That makes sense. But, but Biden passed the Inflation Reduction Act, you guys. So it's going to be fine. Yeah, the fine print is like, now you use <laughs> refined, well, I don't know, whatever, corn syrup instead of. I, and I the Federal that. Reserve is raising the target interest rate. So it's going to be fine have y'all seen the new like covid anti-vax study that just came out no nope i, oh. I should you know, well, we were supposed to die yesterday yeah, you say it. no you should go ahead As, uh, apparently uh i'm using air quotes study came out uh linking the risk of like heart disease with covid vaccines in men in particular something like that and so, you know, anti-vax folks are like, see? <laughs> I wonder if it came out because the the one that I had heard was that there was a study that came out and I don't have these numbers in front of me and I'm sorry, audience. I think it's, I think that the the rate of death among Republicans is 18% higher than the rate of death among Democrats with all other factors considered um, yeah. as soon as the vaccine came out. Uh, <laughs> and like- yeah, exactly. Just the vaccine came out. People who didn't get it just fucking die more. Um, it's yeah, it was a, weird a comparative study. It's a conspiracy to try and kill all the Republicans mm-hmm. by the Republican mm-hmm. leaders. Oh, wait, no, no. Go ahead, Brooke. Sorry. No, I was going to give more details on the study, but y'all can y'all yeah. can look it up. It was uh, definitely an interesting study, and it's not like a hundred percent due to COVID for sure. At least they can't like rule out. Because it was like measure of excess deaths and they don't have all the specifics on that. But yeah, a large portion of that is due to vaccine versus not vaccine. And also there was some tweet that made the rounds that um, that we were all going to die on October 10th because something was going to get activated in the vaccine. Did you all see this oh. on Twitter at all? That explains no. why I died in the hurricane. <laughs> I want to back up to the study I mentioned because I yeah. didn't clarify Please. that uh, there were like major issues with it. That's all. I didn't want. I didn't want to bring up like the study anti-vaxxers are using without saying like there were major issues with the study. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. Well, does that do it for us this month? Man, that was a lot. It really was. That's a lot of bad things. <laughs> oh, one good final thing. Okay. Uh, tankers that go around with like all the stuff that they ship around are starting to add sails back and it saves about 10% of their fuel. This is a really oh, minor good like thing. Sailing sails. Yeah, yeah, Got yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Masts. Yeah. Nice. Like all the container ships and shit, not all of them, but they're starting to add sails to container ships um, hmm. to help alleviate the cost of fuel to move everything around uh whatever this is a really minor thing i just thought it was neat this is my final note uh That's pretty yay, amazing. yay sailboats yeah <laughs> yay, the global economy that got us into this mess in the first place trudging oh. along <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. 
Well, stay warm out there, everyone. Brooke, you want to lead us out? Yeah, I do. So I took your outro from from the last episode and um, uh, transcribed it. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it word for word, Margaret. Oh God! Uh huh. Are, are you ready for how great this is gonna be? It's yeah, gonna be hold on to something. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe I'll do a real one after I do this. Thanks so much for listening. Algorithms suck, but if you like this podcast, please like, comment, review, blah, blah, blah. It makes the algorithms give our show to more people. It's kind of the only way people end up hearing about our show is word of mouth. All of that stuff's true. I'm not just saying it cynically. It's just that I have said it like whatever. I'm on episode 50 or whatever, so I've said it like 50 times. And you can support us on Patreon by supporting our publisher. Our publisher is Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. The three of us are collective members of a collectively run publisher called Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. It's been around for like 20 years, but it's uh, like getting new Mega Forces Voltron combines version of itself lately. And um, it's primarily supported by Patreon. <laughs> I think that was perfect. Yeah. And also that means that Inman doesn't have to transcribe it again. Yeah. There you go. You're welcome, Inman. Just copy paste. <laughs> Uh, but more seriously, this podcast is produced by the Anarchist Publishing Collective, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, and you can connect with us on Twitter at Tangled Wild. And I think we have like Instagram and stuff too, but I don't do Instagram and I think Instagram's evil. So um, I don't know how to plug that, but it's fine. We're probably there. You can find us places. Um, <laughs> That's evil, but not Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that study that came out about teenage girls and like, I don't know, image issues and suicide rates and oh okay stuff so continue continue um the work that we do as a publishing collective is made possible by our patreon supporters you can check that out patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness and we really appreciate that support that is right now our again our primary source of funding that's helping out um the six of us that are that are running this collective And then we also have our first book of this new iteration of Strangers coming out, written by Cindy Milstein. The book is uh, Try Anarchism for Life. You can pre-order that at tangledwilderness.org. That's our website. We've also got some cool t-shirts there. um, And there's a free skills sign that you can download that we're pretty happy about. And you can learn about uh, upcoming book releases because we do have more in the works there's a really cool author who's got one coming out in february and you can check out our sister podcast of uh i can't remember if we do we call it strangers in a tank yeah, is the strangers. name of yeah. the other yeah. yeah 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 um and then we want to give a special thanks to some of our patreon supporters Hoss the dog Micaiah, chris sam kirk natalie eleanor Jennifer, Starro, Kat J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Oxalis, Paige, SJ, Sean, Hunter, and Theo. Thank you. Those people and also other people, but especially those people. Everyone else is dead to me. (laughs) So until next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.